0: with the truths He reveals to our hearts through His Word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Reflections from the Heart. I'm Tom Ferto with Stewardship of Mission of Faith, and today, once again, the few and the proud, the double t- po- the double towers of Tom, <laughs> yeah. joined by Tom the Angel. It's good to be with you, Tom.
2: Good to be with you, too. Thanks.
1: All right. Today, we're going to <clears> be <throat> uh, delving into uh, the, the Gospel of Luke, so get your Bibles ready. But before we get into that, we're going to open up with some prayer, and then we'll uh, we'll have at it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for the gift of this day. We thank you for the gift of life. Lord, we ask that you be with us today, that you may pierce our hearts and our minds, Those of us in the studio and those listening at home in their cars, Lord, we want to hear you. We want to know what you have in store for us. We want to know what task you have put before us. We want the grace to listen and to see and the courage to obey and to persevere and to accomplish what you would have us accomplish this day. As we journey forward in Lent, Lord, we are mindful of your sacrifice as we try to join with you through small acts of giving, of self-sacrifice of deliberate prayer, that we may grow closer in you and receive your grace, so that we may be the disciples that you have created us each to be. We ask all this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tom, Tom, would you go ahead and do our reading for today, please? Sure.
2: Yes, it's from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 28b to 36. Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went up the mountain to pray. While he was praying, his face was changed in appearance and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were conversing with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his exodus that he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions had been overcome by sleep, but becoming fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him as they were about to part from him, Peter said to Jesus, "'Master, it's good that we are here. "'Let us make three tents, one for you, "'one for Moses, and one for Elijah.' But he did not know what he was saying. While he was still speaking, a cloud came and cast a shadow over them, and they became frightened when they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, "'This is my chosen son, listen to him.' After the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They fell silent and did not at that time tell anyone what they had seen. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise Praise to you, you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. You know how many scriptures do we see Jesus going to pray, and it's you know up the mountain or out into the desert or drawing, moving away from the other people. You know, and it, 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 it you know, it reminds me. I'm going. You, you would think that as the Son of God, of course, you know, when God Himself, he he can focus, you know, yeah, yeah. and yet he still, uh, you know, carves out time and space to get away from, um, you know, from people and from distractions to pray. And I think about that, you know, so often. Um, because you know, a lot of times we in our in our busy life we we do the whole I can I can do something I can quickly pray you know um, amidst distraction and that's good. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt if you're you know if you're praying while you're driving, that's a, still a good thing that you're getting some prayer. Um, but that deliberate action of of, of drawing away. To, to get rid of the distractions um, I think that's a lost I mean for me I'll say it, it's 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 a it's a lost art or a, a lost priority you know to say I'm not just going to you know uh, listen to something on my on my on my radio or, or do a prayer while I'm doing something else but I'm actually going to carve time to go away um, to sit to get on my knees to, you know to stop by that church to get into that adoration chapel to and move away from the you know from the from the uh, uh, the, the the noise of the home and and and, and isolate myself a bit and, and and just draw back, retreat back and have some deliberate prayer time. It's uh, and yet our Lord models that for us on a, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think too, Tom, you know, um, earlier in life when you're, you know, when uh, my kids were younger and I, you know there were places to take them and things to do after school and in the morning, you know, there was work was much more scheduled, um, you know, uh, activity. It's difficult to find time. You know, there's all, so many things going on, and you're taking care of a family, and you're you're working a job, and you're you know you're trying to be responsive to your spouse and keep a good, you know, marriage relationship and stay connected to all the people, important people in your lives, in in your life. So it becomes um, a real challenge to carve out some time and i did find that you know if i could get some time even just you know 5 or 10 minutes in the morning and the evening just to be alone you know luckily i was able to get to church cuz i didn't live you know I live right down the street from my parish church but but being able to do that and then as i got older and you know the kids moved out of the house and there was less at least immediate activity um it, it, you know i can spend a little more time at mass after mass or You know, uh, stop in after work, uh, spend some time there. Which I could never—I never had time to do that when you know we had kids that were active and out in the world. But I do think it's important because it does influence the rest of your life. And it's not just a matter of getting away. I do try to pray during the day, say the Our Father. You know, um, offer things up to God—good, good good or bad. Sometimes they're not that good, you know. And it's it's, this too, Lord, I offer up to you, but. But the whole idea that you take some time where it's just you and God, you know, like like spouses needs that time too, just you and your spouse sometimes. But it's the same thing, without distractions, where you can give yourself totally to the other person and say, you know, let's let's just talk, let's be open, let's be on. And that I think is the most important thing. And I think that's you know knowing what we know about Jesus from the scriptures and his relationship with the father, you can just imagine what his time alone must've been like his time away from others, not alone, but with the father. Um, And in this case, it it manifests itself in glory, you know, because it's, it's actually, you know, um, a message to the three that he brought with him, you know, that he brought them that far up, up the mountain. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. But there's, a, but there's a relationship that this whole glory grows out of, and I think that's the important thing. And it is a challenge to keep the distractions out, to keep the worldly things out of your mind when you're with the one that you love. You know, it's just – it's hard not to bring those worries in. And, you know, like Jesus said in the, in the parable, it's those, it's those worries of the world and those attachments that choke off the heart and keep us from, you know, from bearing fruit in our relationship with God, so –
1: Absolutely, Tom. You know, and you know, for our, our friends listening, you know, when we approach these gospel reflections, this reflections from the heart, you know, we we model this. We essentially do our gospel reflection program. Um, mm-hmm. That you know, there there uh, the materials are downloadable from the website quick dot <laughs> yeah. org. You can find the uh, the resources there to have a gospel reflection group. And we do this radio show where we it, this this is spontaneous. We're doing our reading, we're praying, and we're uh, you know uh, um, you know kind of awaiting for some nudging of the Holy Spirit. And of course, what happens. It just happened to me, Tom, is, you know, I, I come in and, like, oh, I have a, a point to make about, you know, how we should get away, you know, and spend that time like Jesus did, and yet then the Holy Spirit gives me a little nudge, and and I'm sitting there going, wait, I'm supposed to make just the opposite point now? And yeah. <laughs> my, my point being... It's not to make people feel guilty. If you can carve out an hour of day in silence, you know right, right. that there are ways, of course, to honor God through our daily acts. And uh, I'm, I, you know, I, I was prompted here. I wrote down Mary Poppins, you know, on my on my little sheet as we as you're talking, you know, in the classic scene of. Uh, Of Mary Poppins, you you have that where she explains to the children, you know, in every job that must be done, there's an element of fun. You find the fun and then, right, snap, the (laughs) job becomes a game. In other words, find the fun in a chore and it makes it, you know, a game. Now, what does that have to do with <laughs> with <laughs> this? Well, I, I remember um, uh, an old Monsignor uh, at my church who, when I would go and I and I'd lament in my you know in confession about not making that deliberate time and not always having the time, and and uh, he wouldn't soft soften, but he would say he would say you know make changing the diapers of your newborn a prayer, make mm-hmm. washing the dishes. You know, so you're, you know, to split some duties with your wife and make things easier, make that a prayer. When you're spending time playing with the kids, you know, make that a prayer. So it's not, and his point was, you don't have to retreat to the mountains, you know, depending on your life situation, you can take what's before you, and that can be holy, and that can be sacred. You know, of course, it doesn't always replace all prayer, but his point was, don't beat yourself up. Embrace your position, um, and you can give honor to God by being a faithful father, by being a faithful husband, and by doing these things. In some way that, that will that will move you along in your relationship with me. Love me through them. I mean, our our you know founder David Abel is always saying that. You know that, that's we 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 model that. So. Um, so on one hand, <laughs> you yeah. make the point of yeah. find an hour a day to go away. And, mm-hmm. But if you can't, right, there are ways that through our daily lives we love. And we just spend time—we had a, a blessing here just spending time with— um, uh, a few days ago, with uh, Devin Shot, one of our of our family ministries, the Fathers of Saint Joseph, and the entire premise, you know, of that approach to life, you know, for uh, you know for for men is is you know we reflect God's love, and our children see God's love through how we act, and our and our spouses, um, you know, see God's love, you know, through 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 our relationship, and so we can take things that are before us, the tasks at hand, our daily lives, and we can honor God. In fact bring God um, to them by how we act. So two different sides of uh, of the same coin there. Um, You know, and again, I think that illustrates that not one approach is the same for everybody. Mm -hmm. If you stay God-centered, whether that's on a silent retreat for 48 hours, or whether that's in the midst of, you know, crazy, hectic life, you know, with a family— you can find God in everything, and you can bring invite Jesus into all that you're doing and let him be a part of it, let him walk with you, and let him permeate you know your attitude in all that you do.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah I think too, one of the things that I discovered in looking at this uh, <clears> the <throat> scripture passage is, um you know this is a this is a manifestation of Jesus's glory and his position as the fulfillment of the old covenant, the law and the prophets, and here's the new covenant, you know, in person. But inter- interesting, when I went back in Luke's gospel and looked at the passages surrounding this, the the, the section, the passage immediate, immediately before this is Jesus is talking about, you know, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You know, anybody who doesn't do that is not... Is not following. He's not one of my disciples. Well, that's a hard teaching. And then right after this, he prophesies that he will be going to Jerusalem and he will be um, put on trial by the chief priests and the Pharisees and put to death by pagans. Right after this, so my sense is that you, when you read this in the context, that you see, you know, Jesus dropping some depressing news on the on the apostles, and he's talking directly to his to the twelve but he he leaves um he leaves a note here you know if you will with Peter James and John to let them know this is the glory that I have in my kingdom this is the glory I have with the father and this is what and somebody at one of our gospel reflections earlier this week said you know I think Jesus did this for the for the three apostles you know Peter James and John so that when he did rise from the dead they'd know who he was You know, they'd recognize him. It wasn't just some ghost or some, you know, they'd know this is a glorified Christ that we spent three years with. This is a person we've grown to know and love. You know, this is the person who was crucified and when was dead and was buried, come back to life. And so we have that, we have that diamond right in the middle of the two hard um, passages of this is what's going to happen to me. And this is where I'm going and, you know, this, you know, and it's, it's not going to end well, but in the end there's glory. You know, right, and that—that right. that I think is a is probably a good lesson for Lent too, because, you know, we we uh, we put penances on ourselves, and we you know we uh, fast and uh, you know pray and give alms, and there's a but there's a resurrection, you know, there's an Easter at the end of this at the end of this process. So that's I think the way we celebrate it in our own lives is just to kind of participate in that gospel story that we're that we're reading about here, you know.
1: Right, right. So there he is, you know, dropping in, in important news and 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 making, uh, you know, uh, telling what's gonna what's what's going to happen this critical time here in life, and what is the response of Peter and the companions? Well, we see that, you know, again and again, uh, they're overcome by sleep. Uh, they, yeah. they they phase out. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're with you, Lord. Kind of, and and you know, I I underlined the word sleep, and you know, what hit me was. Um, what else can I put in there besides the word sleep? In other words, you know, it was sleep that kept Peter and the others away from Jesus at that point, but what what do I get overcome by which draws me away? Um, and, uh, you know, a couple words that came to mind—worry, stress, right, temptation, um, envy, uh, bitterness, greed, you know, my pride. Like, what, what do I get overcome by um, that draws me away from the Lord, because I let that— Permeate. They let sleep get in the way. What do I let get in the way? You know, when you know, because I'm I'm not happy about a situation, so I let bitterness kind of fester, or or my own pride. You know, uh, I know God, you have a plan, but surely my plan must be better. So, I, I you know, it's, I think it's a reflective process for all of us. What are the things that that truly get in the way? Um, and that's that's sometimes not an easy. It's almost it's almost easier to reflect on particular sins. You know, I did this. You know, and I did that but what are the, what are the, like the, the mindsets? What are the attitudes? That's, that gets a, that's a deeper level of reflection. I know, Tom, you're, you're always bringing beautiful gems of the contemplative life, you know, to our discussions. And, and that's where it gets a little bit deeper when you're not Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, a particular thing, um, but you're thinking about what, what mindset or attitude. And I think sometimes, you know, they're easier to justify too. Well, of course, I was you know bitter because I got a raw deal, and so you know that's mm. that's that's not a sin. I, that, that's not a big deal. I, I was justified in my in my wrath or my you know or my my envy. And um, again, contemplation and being reflective, not just on the particular things, but on overall attitudes. And again, in, in this time of Lent, as you said, you know we do some practices, we do some specific things. um... And uh, not not because God's keeping score, um, mm-hmm. but it's it's practice. it's it's rehearsal. I remember, You know, kids in the high school would ask, you know, why are we giving up? Why do I give up chocolate? Like, does God care? Well, no, of course that's not the point. The point is you're training yourself. You're training yourself. It's practice. I like to tell young people, it's practice. You practice in a little bit of self-denial on these small things. So when that big temptation comes, you're ready. You know, and and I'd use the sports analogy since you're a football guy, Tom. (laughs) How many times does the center practice hiking that ball in a given week. I mean, a simple act, right? You think, oh my God, why would you have to practice that? And yet probably hundreds, not thousands of times. And why do they do that again and again and again? So when it's fourth and one on the goal, right? And the game is on the line, there's no mistake or there's less chance of mistake because it's so ingrained and what to do. You know, that's why, that's why they practice. That's why that mm-hmm. guy, that girl takes that, you know, practices those free throws, you know, a hundred, a thousand times a week. So when it, you know, the clocks the clock is down zero when you're at the foul line, you make the game. That doesn't happen by chance. It happens by practice. And so this during this time of Lent, these spiritual exercises, especially the self-denial, you know, giving something up, it's not about God does not need our sacrifice. You know, it does not add to salvation history. But friends, it's a way to practice self denial. It's it's a way for our our mind to let the body know kind of who's in charge, you know, and and it lets it 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 strengthens our willpower. So when we're faced with a more serious temptation, we've practiced that. We've practiced self denial um, and we've practiced a little bit of self control, which I think in most areas of life probably would go a long way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and and a lot of the problems that we experience in our lives individually, in our families, and in our culture are because of lack of that. You sure, know? absolutely. And you know, Pope John Paul in the theology of the body, and other people have have, have talked about this too. Um, talks about that as you know the overall approach is self mastery that we've mastered our lower passions. We've last la- uh, mastered. Our you know our our sensory pleasures in life that we are using them appropriately that we've mastered our emotions and that they're all channeled in the direction of giving glory to God that everything that we do it's good to have emotion and to have passion about good things you know but sometimes those emotions and passions can can run wild and they can hurt us or they can hurt other people so that's a big thing the other thing too I think um, it was really an insight to me and it's only been probably in the last I don't know ten. 12 years or so of my my life, which is, you know, which is a little bit longer than that. But, um, you know, we talk about when we go to confession, these sins, well, I I really get discouraged because I'm confessing the same sin over and over and over again. I once had a a priest mention, he said, that's really, you know, people say, oh, don't worry, keep coming back, God, there's God's grace and his mercy is always available. And you get that a lot. And that's true. But he said... Well, you know, did you ever think that maybe God is <clears throat> He's like He's like keeps tapping you on the shoulder with that sin, you know, that you now you're committing it. But he lets you keep doing that and coming back because he wants you to say, Why do I keep falling into this? Why do I keep cursing at people when they cut me off? Or why do I get upset with my wife when she gives me some constructive criticism? Or why do I get angry with my kids when they're making noise in the back? Yeah. You know, why we ask that question and say to your point, what is the ground that that's coming at? That's the ground right, of my, right. my personality. What is it that I, it's something deeper I need to master, not just control that act, but work back in to say, what is it that I think about myself and my life that allows me to do that and not, and, and feel justified. You know, like I was the guy that, uh, um, that that basically said, made the excuses, you know, like, well, that guy was nasty to me. So I, you know, I, I cut him off or I, you know, I, I told him what I thought and maybe I shouldn't have said it that way or I shouldn't have, you know, dropped those expletives in there, but, but he deserved it, you know, and then you walk away and you say, no, but why did I react that way? What was, what is it about? And why is it that I consistently react that way? And I see myself doing that all the time. I keep justifying it and put it out of my mind. Like, I don't have to worry about that because I was right. But what is it that causes that to happen over and over again? And it's like, that's kind of what, when you think about it that way, it's like God's allowing you to fall into that sin over and over again to to help you deal with something deeper that's causing you to do that on a consistent basis. So figure out what it is. And when you start to deal with it at that level, then that behavior will start to 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 go away. It's not so much a matter of getting your reins around that sin and pulling it in. It's a matter of going back and cutting off, you know, pulling the plug on the thing where it gets its juice, you know, and say, well, that doesn't need to happen anymore. Why Why do I take it that? Am I feeling bad about myself? Am I, can I not handle? How do I deal with somebody who's critical of me? You know, even in a loving way with my spouse, you know, that I push back on her. How can I, why can't I handle criticism? What's the matter with me? Why am I so you know, thin skinned about stuff like that. That I think is the real value of looking at our sins at that level, you know, those behaviors, but then say, what are the what are the attitudes that they're growing out of? Because that's really where the value is. And you know, the other thing that happens too with a lot of good people, and I'm sure that there are a lot of good people who are listening to you know to us, is you get to the point where you say, you know what, I mean I'm habitual in my life of doing good I pray, I say the rosary every day, I do these things. I, I don't really have opportunities to do anything wrong, but then you say, "Well, I'm still distracted in my prayer. <clears throat> I still miss opportunities to do good things for other people." I miss. Now you start digging into a deeper re- relationship with God, and you say, "What is it that you're calling me to do now? Not just what do I have to stop doing, but where are you calling? What's the charity that you want me to do? What's the love you want me to show? Where are the opportunities that I miss every day to stop and talk to somebody who needs?" just need somebody to listen to them, you know? And uh, that's more, I think, the point of going to confession regularly is it brings us through that transition. Now I say that, but I struggle with it myself as we all do. You know, anybody that's human is wrestling with those, including the confessors that have helped me figure those things (laughs) out. They all say the same thing, you know, this is what it is. This is where we're going, but here's the map, but I'm having trouble getting there myself, you know? So let's work together on this thing, you know?
1: Now that's great insight on, on I never really thought of it that way in the in the reoccurring I think many of us, you know, it's reoccurring confession, yeah. and and, I, and a, a tongue-in-cheek comment, but I almost think that's that. That almost sounds a little bit better than, hey, guess what? You know, this month I tried some new sins. You know, yeah. I, I'd almost <laughs> yeah. be more worried if, if yeah. every like, what am I doing? Making the rounds through the commandments, or yeah. the, del- you know, yeah. so. Um, but to your point, though, I love that. Like, get to the root. What's going on? What's the mindset? You know, what's underneath that? What yeah. are the what are the what are the triggers? What What am I doing that? You know, I go back to old habits or old ways, right? We we talked about that once before. Like, I put on the comfy coat, you know, because that's what that's what feels good to me. That's what I that's what I'm used to, and it's comfortable. And so we fall back to old habits. So, um, rather than getting to that moment where it's like, ah, oh, I don't want to say that, or I want to, I don't want to do that. What what's happening before then, and how can I change that? Like you said, how can I replace? We know that in you know in fitness and in health and everything else it's not about not doing something it's how do i replace that negative right. with a positive so how can yeah. i how can i redirect that and how can i make a change cuz you know we're talking about you know ways of life here we're not talking about you know programs we're not talking about you know lofty concepts we're talking about you know, making changes in our life, small changes um, that lead uh, to a closer discipleship with with, with the Lord. And uh, I mentioned earlier, I'm going to kind of close things here, you know, um, with, uh, I mentioned uh, Devin Schott, our Executive Director of The Fathers of St. Joseph. And... Um, I encourage all men, and not just men, because you know, sometimes men, we don't sign up for things. So, the women out there, the moms, the wives, absolutely, you can go there too. Get your husband's email, <laughs> okay, and sign him up. Uh, what a great, uh, beautiful blessing. FathersofSt.Joseph.org uh, is the website. Just a wealth of phenomenal resources there uh, for men to really grasp the beauty and the challenge. Of of fatherhood, of of sonship, um, that uh, as men how how we're called, what we're called to be, and how we're called to uh, to be with our families um, as husbands and as parents, and it's just a, a wealth of information. There's a lot of videos and resources there. A lot of the, a lot of the materials absolutely free. You can check it out. Um, subscribe to the uh, the um, the the online videos. So again, men, you go there, fathersofstjoseph.org, and uh, moms and uh, wives, by all means, you know, get your hubby's, uh, uh, you know, email address, and you can sign him up, and uh, he will be blessed. Uh, Devin Schott is a gift uh, to our ministry here and a gift to the Church, and um, he he would be mad at me for saying that, uh, because, you know, he definitely is the first one to give all credit to God um, as choosing him to be the vessel of this, but it's just good stuff. The loving relationship that we see between uh, St. Joseph and Mary and Jesus, the loving relationship between the, uh, the, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I mean, these are the bulwarks of, of our society, um, of our life as Christians, you know that loving relationship and how we model that and how we emulate that. And it's through the renewal of the family and the renewal of marriage, which, of course, has been already prophesized as being the number one target of, of the enemy to attack families. Um, so as the family goes, goes the church, goes our society, and goes the world. So mm-hmm. I encourage you all to get there. We uh, thank you for your time. We encourage everyone to have a, uh, continue on in your Lenten journey. It's never too late to start. If you've got a little bit of a slow start, there's still plenty of time to pick up in your prayer and your fasting and your almsgiving, um, seeking the, to know from the Lord, what are you called to do? How are you called to share your time, your talent, and treasure to build up his kingdom here and now until we can be with him forever? God bless you on your journey, and we will catch you next time here on Reflections from the Heart. God bless.
0: Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups or how to start a gospel reflection group in your area please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on gospel reflection groups or call us at 717-367-0100 stewardship a mission of faith is a 501c3 non organization and depends on donations from people like you to make reflections from the heart possible If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.